This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover. I like to use this show to educate my listeners about ways to make life better for their cats and sometimes better for themselves. So today I have with me Adam Clark. Adam is a licensed clinical social worker who kind of has a specialty in pet loss grief. We're going to talk about grief and what it's like to deal with the loss of a pet when we come back right after a word from our sponsors. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'm here with Adam Clark. Hi, Adam. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you because I have been watching your your articles and things. I saw an article on Psychology Today about pet loss grief. And as a veterinarian, this touches me really, you know, more maybe than I wish. So I'm excited to learn from you. And also now I, I'm friends with you on Facebook. So I feel like I know, <laughs> I know you. So what is grief? Yeah, it's interesting because I think as a society, we try to pathologize grief or we try to think that it's a disease or that it's something um, that won't happen to us. There's a lot of fear and there's a lot of general stigmas associated with grief. But I always say that grief is a natural part of the human process. It's part of the price we pay for being human and kind of that love and connection. And so grief is the pain we feel in the absence of of another being. And when I say another being, whether that be animal or pet or human, and it's that pain and that absence. And it also can be anticipatory as if we're waiting for that to happen. And it can be that acute grief after someone has died or a pet has died. Um, And there are some unique things with pet loss, but I know we'll go into that in just a little bit. Well, I guess from a veterinarian's standpoint, I see sort of a wide range of parts of grief, I think. And, And I think what you just said is really important to me in my world is anticipatory grief. So can we talk about that a little bit more? Because we have a unique situation where sometimes we have to decide to let go of our pets. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that unique piece of having to make decisions on their behalf. And and that can be pretty intimidating and scary as well for pet owners, at least in my experience. I think so. So how do you think pet loss grief is different from maybe the grief that someone feels when they lose a human relative? 
Sure. I think there's a couple pieces that come up. Um, one of those pieces is that we have a generalized stigma still when it comes to grieving the loss of our pets. I see it almost in every client that I work with, and it's really prominent. It has been changing, but it's there. And what I mean by that stigma is we have a fear of grief at baseline, and we have this interesting dichotomy when it comes to our pets and companion animals that although many people consider them members of the family and sentient beings, you can still buy them at a store. And so that assumption of ownership, and it used to be that pets were considered, you know, property, and that has been changing in a lot of aspects. But there's statements that are said, even from well-intending people like, oh, it was just a dog, or it was just a cat, you can get another one. And you'd never hear someone say, oh, it was just grandma, you can always get another one. Right. And so that lessening of the experience of what pet loss is, is, is a pervasive thing. And there can be a lot of guilt associated with, am I crazy for grieving my cat so much? Am I going crazy because it hurts so much? And there's a couple of unique aspects to pets that I think is really important to consider when we look at what grief looks like from a psychological aspect. And one of that is we are caregivers for our pets. They don't eat unless we feed them. They don't get play unless we play with them. They don't get social interaction unless we engage with them. And so that builds a stronger bond. If you look at it from a psychological attachment theory, it's kind of like a parent raising a child. It grows a stronger bond. That that combined with a more unconditional love or more pure love is so crucially important to grow strong attachments. Human relationships are really, really tricky. There's jealousy, there's questions of intent, even someone very close into our lives, but it's complicated and it can be really tricky. And with our pets, it's it's not so tricky. We know what they're like and we learn their personalities and we live alongside them without ever saying a verbal word, except I guess for the occasional meow, right? And you know, it grows this strong, intense bond. And so it's no wonder that we grieve so intensely, but society doesn't really allow us to grieve. And when it comes to grief in general and grieving our pets, many people are lost. They don't know what to do, how to get through it. And they think it's maybe a problem with them or a disease when that's simply not the case. When you look at the attachment and the grief being a natural, normal process that all of us will experience in one time or other in our lives. Well, I don't have specific training in psychology, but I've always thought that that was a component. The fact that your cat is with you all day, every day, every time you're at home, sleeps with you, is your friend all the time and is there when you need them makes this a little different. So I'm, I'm glad you validated my opinion on that. <laughs> of course. So what can a pet owner expect as they go through? I know there are stages of grief, but do these things happen consistently for everyone or is there an order? I mean, what can someone expect when they're going through some pet loss grief? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. I think traditionally, the historical view of grief was we tried to understand it and we tried to make sense of it. And so we tried to put it in a linear process that, you know, you move through this initial, you know, bargaining phase and you move through the depression and the anger and, and, what we're discovering in, in grief in general, as it becomes more researched and there's more practitioners understanding it, is that grief never follows a linear path or it doesn't follow a straight line, um, hardly ever. And it's a really, really messy process that's really difficult. And one of the pieces to grief is attempts to avoid it attempts to distract from it and not processing through it just lead to grief actually being compounded over our lifetimes. And so you have, you know, pet lovers that are all of a sudden facing a crisis with their pet and years of unresolved grief, whether that's 
human relationships or pets that have died or passed um, kind of come crashing down at once. And so it's a really tricky thing. I talk about words and grief being important. So one of my, um, the ways that I approach it is that we never want to move on from grief because when we lose something or something is gone from us, it becomes a part of us. And to move on from something may be that it didn't matter. And so moving through grief, moving through that experience of pain is so important to process it. In those pieces, there's certain goals that people should have, at least from my perspective, is is how do you gain closure and how do you gain a sense of nurturing and comfort because you're grieving something that you really have no control over. We might do everything we can. I'm, I'm sure as a veterinarian, you've seen pet owners try everything absolutely everything they can to prolong the life of their pet, to prolong the life of their cat. And death is something that eventually happens to all of us, right? And so looking at the fact where I think that making those decisions, right? You know, when is the, a good time to euthanize or what do I do? How do I know that they're ill are questions that I think pet owners need to think about before a crisis happens. You know, what is the personality of my cat and what do they enjoy? And how do I know that they might be getting sick or it might be time? How do I, well, a big one to me is how do I avoid suffering in our pets? Because I talk about euthanasia and it's kind of a gift. And what I mean that in, in human medicine, we can't make a choice to end suffering. So, Human counterparts can be in immense pain, can be going through these illnesses that are really debilitating. We don't have a choice. With our animals, we can make the choice to catch suffering and alleviate it as soon as possible. And I think that's a gift. And then the third piece there is, is our own process and our own our own journey through grief. And it's it's incredibly individualistic to each person, how they go through that grief process. But I also talk about we grieve in the context of communities, whether that be your cultural community, your family, or even friends that might understand, balancing those is, is really important. I kind of got off on a tangent, so I want to make sure that I answered your question. Well, you know, I have to advise people about euthanasia a lot. And I agree. I tell them, you know, if you're not sure, if you feel like it's time, it probably is because you love her or him more than anyone. And if your heart's telling you it's time, it probably is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think that that bond is so important and I can't imagine it any other way. But I guess you're right. In the world at large, there is a stigma and, and it's changing. But legally, the definition of animals is still property. So we've got a little way to go, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it leads into grieving as, you know, I can't tell you the amount of times clients have told me, you know, am I going crazy for feeling this pain? And and many clients will tell me, I'm actually grieving the loss of my pet more than I grieve the loss of my parent or one of my friends. And they feel so much guilt because they're comparing it to, well, I should be grieving a human more. But like I said, human relationships are really messy and there can be conflict, even if it's a really good relationship. And so, it makes sense to me that someone might feel pain for their pet passing at an extraordinarily intense level. And then we've got this society that you should not be grieving so much and you just move on with your life. I mean, federally, we only get three days for grieving and that's an immediate family member. It doesn't consider friends or extended family members. And it definitely doesn't take into consideration people's need for nurturing and space and time to process through the death of a pet. Right. Well, I want to take another quick break, but then I want to come back and talk to Adam about some tips or some strategies that my listeners might be able to employ to get through the loss of their beloved pets. So we'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Dr. Katherine Prim, and I would like to make you aware of some products that I've discovered. Dr. Elsie's Pet Products. So you all know that I have a cat named Scamper, and Scamper is a little bit sensitive. So I have to choose sort of special stuff for Scamper. Dr. Elsie's Ultra Litter has been kind of a godsend for us. It's made with clean ingredients and it's low on dust. So it sort of addresses the needs that Scamper personally has. You can feel really good about choosing Dr. Elsie's pet products because they're veterinarian formulated and they're tested. So they combine science and the love for pets to meet the needs of even the most sensitive pets like my Scamper. Here's the really good news. You can get a rebate. Dr. Elsie's will pay you up to $20 for your first bag of Ultra Litter or any Dr. Elsie's litter by visiting drelsies.com forward slash Dr. Cat. That's D-R-E-L-S-E-Y-S dot com forward slash Dr. Cat, which is D-R-K-A-T. So check it out. Give it a try and get up to $20 back. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm here with Adam Clark, and he and I are talking about pet loss, grief, and the impact that it has, and how you're not crazy if you grieve your pet. So I do want to give my listeners some thoughts and some ideas for ways that they might be able to better cope with this loss and not feel guilty. So what more can you tell us, Adam? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, so I think, again, just a recap of that first half is that grief being this natural process, the only way to experience grief is to move through it. And I talk about every time you express those emotions, your body is actually healing through the experience and you're processing through it. So the biggest thing I can say is to not stuff it. When you talk about children, they usually want to express via creativity, sometimes letter, drawing, painting, because they don't have that frontal lobe to be able to logically process through. With adults, a lot of grieving depends on culture. And I say integrate your culture into that experience. But how do you gain closure Self-care and nurturing through this experience is crucially important. You know, are you eating? Are you having enough, you know, nutrition intake? Are you drinking water? Are you able to get enough sleep? In the immediate phase of grief, all those things are going to be skewed. Grief hits us on every single aspect, emotionally, physically, spiritually, even financially sometimes. If your pet has gone through a lot of different procedures and, and medical pieces, um, and that also can hit us, and it's, a, and it's an important aspect to balance. And so what are the things you do that will nurture you through this process, and who are the people that you can trust to share space with? I think the important thing, if, for example, you have a friend that's grieving, is to be non-judgmental and create a safe space. So one of the phrases that I hear in the grief work a lot from well-intended friends is, oh, I completely understand what you're going through. Because maybe they've had a cat pass or they've had the experience of a dog or, or those deaths in their lives. But each person's experience with grief is so different. And so... I actually encourage people to say, I can't actually imagine exactly what you're going through, but I, I'm here for you. I want to hold the space for you. And so holding space for somebody else, allowing that safety is crucially important, whether it's your friend or yourself going through this grief process, allowing yourself time to grieve. Do things that allow you to reflect. So going on gentle walks, taking long baths, drinking tea, journaling, 
processing with a friend the feelings and what's coming up for you. A couple things that I encourage people to always pay attention to. Guilt is so pervasive when it comes to making choices of euthanasia, or I should have caught this faster, or why didn't I do this differently? Guilt is so easy to heap on top of grief. And to be really honest, guilt is such a useless emotion. It adds additional pain and distress to an already difficult situation. But people that might have lower self-esteem or really feel like things happen too fast and they're questioning their choices or didn't trust what they did can add additional grief to themselves. So I'd encourage you to pay attention to what's grieving and what's guilt because those are two different things. The voices saying you should have done differently or even I wish my veterinarian had done something different is this guilt and this projection to try to understand the experience. The second piece is what's the difference between a normal grieving process and maybe a more complicated depression and that's looking at not the severity, but how is it impacting your life? In the beginning, it's really normal to not be able to get out of bed and to be feeling these intense, intense emotions. Over time and with intention, it's kind of like walking through peanut butter, that in the beginning you feel like grief is just in control of you, that you might be doing well for one moment and then not so well the next. And then you end up processing through that and it gets a little tiny bit better with each which each day as long as you have intention about it. But when you're looking towards something like depression, it's thoughts of suicide, thoughts of hopelessness and despair, intense heightened emotions that doesn't dissipate over maybe four, five, six weeks, that there's no change to it. Then I would encourage people to, to find a trusted mental health counselor or therapist to be able to reflect and process through that experience and to make sure that people are safe. So there's a little bit of a difference between grief, guilt, and then the more like depression as you process through that experience. But making no mistake that grief itself is a very normal process. So if you are, make sure I'm understanding this correctly, if you are questioning your decisions or blaming yourself in any way, that's where it sort of crosses the line of not being as normal? I think that piece crosses the line into guilt, right? And crosses the line into, I'm trying to understand something that's happened. I'm trying to make sense of things. Human beings, we try to make sense of things that have a, a reason or a meaning. And death is one of those things that some people find meaning through spirituality or religion. And other people cope in different ways. But if an attempt to find meaning through is, is placing blame and guilt on yourself that you made the wrong choice or you didn't act soon enough, that guilt just ends up exacerbating a normal grief experience. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's important to pay attention to the levels of guilt and then being kind to yourself and nurturing yourself. One of the things I tell clients all the time is you know the best and you do the best you can in that moment. And for some pet owners, you know, that moment goes really fast. Other pet owners have time to kind of think about it and process through, and they still might doubt their decision. Part of that is normal, but if you're sticking with that, that additional guilt doesn't serve you to move through the grief process. So how do you find that nurturing space? How are you kind to yourself? And I commonly reflect to clients, how would your pet want you to, to face this? What would they be telling you if they could speak? Would they be nurturing you? Do you think they would be blaming you? And 99% of the time, it's a no, because we don't have that kind of relationship with our pets. Does that help clarify? Yeah, well, th that makes me feel better, too, because that's what I say in these situations is, you know, w would she want you to feel guilty about this? And so I'm glad I'm not causing irreparable psychological <laughs> damage to my clients because that was the angle that I went. And that, you know, in my animal hospital, it's a safe place because we're all animal lovers. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to judge you for feeling those things. And, and I think that if you can build 
that or strengthen your network everywhere and be with friends or family members that have had similar situations, maybe that helps. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I think finding those safe people to share and that grieving in that community is so crucially important. You have to be really careful too, because when someone's grieving, a lot of the times people show up for them for the first couple of weeks. You know, they might have had experienced that grief and they and they come with dinner and they check in. And as time goes on, it's sometimes a natural process that friends kind of stop checking in about that grief experience, but you still might be in the middle of grief and you still really may need some support. So I think having those friends that you know you can rely on and not feel guilty about that is really crucial and important. And if you have animal lovers and friends in your life, and I think because pet loss and it's been changing has been generally so stigmatized, there's individuals that utilize online forums and online memorials and and Facebook is a wonderful tool for this. There are huge, huge pet loss groups on Facebook that people go to to find a safe space to grieve through that. And I think that's a really powerful way for connectivity and moving through and encouragement and processing through that experience. So that kind of brings me to my next point. If someone is going through something like this, how do they find you and and how do they find people that might share or be a supportive in the time? Um, do you have websites or contacts that we could share? Yeah, that's a really great question. There's not a lot of great resources out there yet. There is one site called pet-loss.net. That's pretty old. It does have a database by state of some counselors and therapists that identify as having pet loss experience, but it's not validated. There's no way to prove that somebody truly does. So I'd encourage people to use resources like goodtherapy.com, I think it is, or psychologytoday.com, the platform that I write for, to look for therapists that have grief experience. And from there, I think it's really important to ask them, do you have experience and understanding with clients moving through pet loss? Because although a lot of things about grief are similar, there's those certain aspects to pet loss that I talked about that are really important for a clinician to understand. And so I think also Googling, trying to explore it out, there are increasingly um, more support hotlines like the Argus Institute at Colorado State University, I think University at, at UC Davis, and I think Tufts Veterinary School of Medicine also has support lines that you can call and also see if they have resources as well. So this is shifting and moving, but there isn't one great hub to find clinicians that specifically have training in pet loss. I think on that note, it's important to recognize that there are some programs out there that call themselves certificates in pet loss, but there's no evidence for their effectiveness. So some people will say, oh, I have the certificate. But I say that just as you say, go with your gut and does it feel right? Does it feel like it's something that would support you? And I think it's so important when you're vulnerable and in, in grief is when you start seeing someone you don't feel comfortable to share or you feel like it's not a good fit, it is absolutely okay to change and to find someone who you feel comfortable with. It's so important to have a good fit between kind of therapist and client if that's the route that you feel like you need some support. And there's nothing wrong with that. I actually say it's the stronger thing to do to seek help in a time of distress than trying to just move through it and stuff it because grief is one of those unique things that never truly goes away unless you move through it and then it's still part of your experience and that's one of the things that I find so powerful about it is that is that vulnerability and it's a natural human experience and helping people grieve through that process. Coming out of the other side of a healthy grieving, you have so many wonderful, powerful memories. You've integrated their memories into you, into your heart space and are moved forward in life. And it's so powerful to watch clients go through that. 
I agree. Sometimes in an experience like this, it's a patient that I've been with since it was a kitten and we can talk about all the memories and, and all of the, the good things and it just brings a better element in. I do want to sort of revisit something that you said. If this goes on for a really long period of time and it seems like depression that you should get help. Can you explain maybe some help if you feel like you might be suicidal, some options might my listeners yeah. might have? Yeah, I think that's a really great context. I think it's really tricky because I always encourage people, if they're feeling unsafe, if they're feeling like they might harm themselves or, or they're contemplating suicide, or they're having intense longings to die and to be with their pet, I think it's important to process those with somebody else. It might not mean that you you know need more specialized treatment, but having that, that safety net is important. If you are feeling actively suicidal, there are this National Suicide Hotline, 1-800-SUICIDE is a huge hub of resources for local crisis lines in your area. I'd encourage you to connect with a clinician in your area by going to Psych Today, putting in your zip code, and speaking to someone there. Typically, a lot of different counties and states also have walk-in crisis centers. But if it is a life-threatening emergency, I always encourage clients to just go to the local emergency room because they have crisis-trained clinicians that can help support you to that moment and connect you with resources. I think in some areas, there is a lack of kind of trained mental health support. When you're talking about depression... Depression is that pervasive hopelessness, that feeling of lack of energy and apathy. And it's really tricky. It can feel like grief in a lot of ways. One of the ways that clinicians kind of tell is how intense and how prolonged is the experience and what's the context of the thought. Because the normal grief process, you might have those thoughts in the very beginning, and then you move through that, and then you have a little bit of glimmer of the good memories, and you move from laughter to sadness and back to laughter and then apathy. And when you're in more of a depression state, let's say for four, five, six weeks, you feel this despair, you feel lack of drive, you might have physical pain or headaches, you're not sleeping, you're still not eating a lot, you've lost some weight, or maybe you've eaten a ton and you've gained weight. And you find that you having maybe these passive thoughts about, God, I wish I was with them, or maybe ending my life would be better. Then I would say you're moving into more depression. And the way to move through that depression is to get to get that professional help to to find some tools and identify strategies to move through that. And for some individuals, it's just adding things to their toolkit in a safe place. Some people need more constructive, more directed ways of processing through and understanding what's going on. And others, it's a combination of medication and, and therapy that's helpful for them. And truly, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with saying, you know, this has kind of changed and I need some help to move through this. So I would encourage everyone to realize that there is hope. So it can be gotten through, right, Adam? Absolutely. I've never met someone that hasn't been able to process through a grief experience. And when I say process through, it doesn't ever mean letting go. It always becomes a part of you because grief is such a natural part of life. And even if you have a lot of anxiety or depression alongside that, there's always hope. And it might not feel that way in the moment. And it might feel so intense and pervasive. And that's the tricky thing about emotions. They are consuming us. And in the moment, we feel like that's never going to change. And we feel like that's where we're going to be forever, especially 
especially when we're then facing having to live life without our cat. And we might not know how to do that. And so it's relearning how to live and life looks a little bit different. And it is hard. It's, it's, I say it's one of the hardest things that we face as human beings is that grief and experiencing life with loss. But it's that result of loving, right? We grieve as much as we've loved and it's so tricky to move through. But there is always hope. Even if you feel stuck there, there's definitely always hope. So I really appreciate that you said that. Well, and I know that your cat would not want you to be um, miserable without them. And I think that that's something we all have to hold on to. It was so nice to talk with you, Adam. I really appreciate you being willing to come on to Nine Lives with me and talk about this because, you know, there might be someone out there listening right now that really needed to hear what you said. And so I just appreciate you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor to get on here. I'm glad that we could figure out a time and, and to connect you know, and I, and I really encourage people to listeners, if they have questions, you know, feel free to put them in contact with me. I'm, I'm happy to process through or point them to my articles. I think, you know, the more that we can share knowledge and, and normalize this and, and make it, you know, recognize that this is part of the human experience and it makes sense that you'd be grieving. I think that helps everyone. I do too. And I, I tell my listeners every episode, you can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So if you have a question or a concern or just a comment, find me. I can put you in touch with some of my guests or we'll always just support you. It, it's all about, you know, being here for each other. So thanks again to Adam and thanks always to my producer, Mark Winter, because he is the amazing behind the scenes without him. Nine Lives would not exist. And thank you to my awesome listeners. Go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.